really do on these podcasts at the moment is an ad for my own book. Block, Delete, Move On is being released by Penguin in February 2022, but it is available for pre-order now. Block, Delete, Move On is a guide for anyone who is dating, particularly women who date men, but uh, it has been read by a number of queer women who have said that they can apply it to their own dating life, although there are lots of bits that are specifically related to cis uh, heterosexual men. Um, It is what I would have wanted to read before I jumped fanny first into the dating scene, onto dating apps, uh, and, and then made a ton of mistakes got really hurt and I I wish that I'd had somebody to tell me all of these things it's not like other dating books that are like this is how you get your man it's a dating book that's like okay this is how we avoid the bad ones and if you've got all of this armory in your toolkit then you're much more likely to have better safer dating experiences Uh, if you want to pre-order it doesn't cost anything to pre-order they will ask for your card details but they don't take the payment until February. It's available on Amazon, Waterstones, Blackwells. Um, I'm not sure where else actually, but if you go to my um, story highlights on my Instagram page, la la la, let me explain. There's a story highlight called The Book and if you click there, there's lots more information about the book and links to swipe up and pre-order. Welcome to the La 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 Let Me Explain podcast and today I'm mad excited to have the Mila Jam or just Mila Jam, the is your Insta name right? Um, Who is an artivist which I love that term, I don't know if you made that up but it's a bloody fabulous (laughs) term, artivist, singer, I mean you're just literally a triple threat actually aren't you? You can maybe a quadruple is there more than a quadruple threat? What, what are you? You're just everything. <laughs> I've been known to do a couple of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you, how do you describe yourself? You know, I used to say triple threat. I, I kind of just distri- describe myself as a jack of all trades. Um, I was raised into theater. I'm a musician, a songwriter, a dancer, a choreographer, actress, model. Um, the entertainment business has pretty much been my life since I was a five years old so and you've done really well in it I mean you were in Rent Thank which you. is such yeah. a just Rent is just fabulous you, did you enjoy doing that it changed my life the show was amazing we traveled internationally we went to Japan we went to uh, Canada we were all over the states it was just I, it just helped me discover who I was it just it was the stepping stone to really discovering who I'm supposed to be and what a way to do that while seeing the world and acting and being with amazing other talented brilliant artists fantastic and you're you're obviously a trans well not obviously but you are a trans woman um and I wonder how much of that because uh, you know some it's difficult because I you know you're a woman and you are all these wonderful things that we've spoken about you know talented fabulous um just excellent uh but but also you do incredible trans activism I mean your speech mm-hmm. just brought me to tears I think it was from last year was it was it last yeah, year it was last year it was June June 1st 2020 it was actually for a pride vigil that was for to honor all of the trans 
brothers and sisters that were murdered. Um, I wasn't actually planning to speak. I was just there to send, you know, to be family, to be loved. And I didn't want to speak. They actually were like, you know, will you read names of the trans, uh, fam that was actually, you know, that was murdered. And I, I think I was just so moved because it was such a powerful moment of unity. We just, we didn't know what to expect. We're in the middle of a pandemic and we were all kind of feeling lost and just, I think we needed, we needed a family. Like I, it was, it was very avatar. Mm. We just needed to be around each other. And I wanted to convey the importance of the, the lack of unity. Well, I wanted to convey the importance of unity in the community because no matter what part of the spectrum you're coming from, if you're gay, if you're non-binary, if you're trans, if you're, however you identify, you know, we're all under this umbrella, uh, and this LGBTQ plus spectrum, we got to show up for each other, mm. you know? What, do you feel that that's not happening enough? No, it's not happening enough. We can't show up. We can't ask others to show up for us if we're not showing up for ourselves. And that's the work that we have to do. We have to remember that, you know, the boundaries and the, the respect starts at home and it starts with yourself so that you can tell people how to treat you. And a lot of the times we mistreat each other in the community because of gatekeeping and hierarchies and status and everyone's, you know, trying to become whatever they're becoming, but there's room for us to, to love on each other and to support each other and not have to fight each other, especially when we're up against white supremacy and we're fighting the patriarchy and it's, it's, it's enough stuff out there that we've got to fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge, isn't it? And I mean, because you know, your trans identity is obviously central to, to who you are and to a lot of the work that you do. But I, I, I felt kind of like, am I being, how do I ask this question so that you understand where I'm coming from as a cis heterosexual woman, who's obviously not part of that community. I, I don't know if I'm supposed to, or if, if, if you want me to see you as Mila Jam, the trans woman, or because my, my tendency is to see you as Mila Jam, the woman who happens to be trans and then does all of this amazing work. But I, I don't know which is the right one. You know what I mean? Well, I'll tell you this. This is a question that I get often. And the word trans is an adjective. I think it's a descriptor. It gives you information about the type of woman that I am as associated with social, you know, experiences and, uh, how I, my journey, how I was, you know, how I grew up, how I was raised, how I was reared. There are black women. There are strong women. There are short women. There are tall women. There are trans women. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. So we all have these different nuances that can describe us even more in depth, but something has happened with our, with our society and the way that we've looked at humanity because of the boxes we've all been put into and the conditioning we have, we're all kind of told that this is go, this flies and this dies, like this goes and this doesn't. So, you know, when you have the patriarchy leading that conversation, men look like this, women look like that. And we're actually getting further away from the idea of like, you know, cis passing and, and all those things, which as a trans woman that has cis passing privilege, I, it's never, you know, lost on me what it looks like when I walk into a space because they first see a black woman. Mm. The conversation about my transness doesn't come until I actually sit down with someone and talk about it unless they know who I am and what my work is about. Mm. But I made a choice to do the work because I don't want to be on this earth, you know, hiding from the story and the, the work and the journey and the reality of what I've gone through. 
I've worked so hard to be able to love myself and to embrace all of myself. And I always knew who I was supposed to be. I wasn't always there, Mm. but I don't want to negate that experience. And of course I don't walk into every room being like, I'm the, you know, trans Mila Jam. It kind (laughs) of, it, it kind of precedes me, but I think that people who are elevated, people that are further advanced, uh, socially, culturally, they understand, I think that they see my womanhood before they see anything else. Mm. And that's always what was important to me. You know, usually if I'm in a space where someone were to misgender me, it would be very clear to me that it, it comes from a place of, uh, attacking and, and ignorance and hate mm. on a level that like I normally don't see every day. Yeah. Now let's, you know, don't get me wrong. Every trans woman has had her day. Like mm. people always think, oh, you know, I would never be figured out. No one would ever know that I was trans. There are very, there are a lot of stealth women in the world that are trans, but we all had an experience that called us out and that made us feel like that we're not invisible. So I just took, I, I, I fought with wanting to take ownership of that because I'm an artist. I, I make music. I, I'm an actress. I'm seen. And I didn't want someone to like out me and be like, I, I thought that that was going to be a huge situation mm-hmm. where I was like, I'm going to be stealth and no one's going to know. And then it's just going to all backfire. And I was like, I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, how often do do those kind of attacking situations happen now? I would say they're rare and they're alarming because imagine being you and you're living your life and you're kind of just doing your day to day or you're like, you know, it's always in the weirdest moment where you're like late for something or um, you're having something else on your, your mind and you get stopped in your tracks. If someone were to misgender you or say like, you know, that's a man mm-hmm. or, but you know what I've gotten more of? I've, instead of getting that's a man, it's so funny. I've graduated over the years. This is the funny part. Instead of getting that's a man, I get, she looks like, that woman looks like a guy or that woman looks like a man. So it's almost like a double negative. Right. It's almost like a, a inverse. They, comp- they, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they believe you're cis and they're trying, they're, yeah, they're and, cussing and, you. And the reality is that men do that to cis women. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's why, that's why I don't take it other utterly take it personal because I've seen more cis women be misgendered by, by men than I have, you know, some trans women. Mm. So it's like, but that's why we have to change the narrative and the conversation that these weak egos that a lot of patriarchal participants, let's call them have, you know, their, their masculinity and their toxicity. It just really is on their shoulder, uh, on their sleeve. And, I just love being able to to say to myself in the morning that I could give two FUCKs about what someone is thinking about me because I know who I am and I know where I'm going mm-hmm. and I know what I'm doing with my life. And that is important more so than someone misgendering me. Yeah. Yeah. It's this, it's kind of a, a, a paradox though, isn't it? Cause these, those type of men, I don't know if you've seen her. I think it's, um, I, I watched a video a couple of days ago with Nikita, dragon and somebody yeah, was filming yeah. she she had a friend of hers helping her get into a car male cis uh, uh, <clears throat> what mm-hmm. appears to be a cis man helping her to get into a car and there's somebody there filming and going like dude you know that's a man like in reference to mm-hmm, Nikita, mm-hmm, who's a trans mm-hmm. woman um 
Uh, and then this person goes on to say, you know, like we were talking to security so that they could make sure that this guy knew that he was with a trans woman. Um, you know, and it's fucking disgusting. And and, and it's, Absolutely. You, you know, I look at these men who are frightening, really terrifying men and, and are, 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 you know, the, 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 the reason for violence and high, higher rate of death and murder for trans women. But also in another way, I sort of feel really sad for them because I, I, I feel like it must come from a place of such insecurity and actually probably comes from somewhere within where they probably are having sexual feelings towards other men or probably do want to explore with the, the, you know their gender or their sexuality and they can't. So, But it's like I don't want to feel sorry for them because I want to fucking hate them. I, you know? I really believe that men are much more explorative, you know, maybe not at large over women, but I've never met a man that has not uh, had some level of curiosity and excitement over the different varieties of sex and sexuality that that can happen. Because let's be honest, we all have had to ask ourselves questions in the mirror. Mm. You know, whether you are born completely heterosexual and you're like, I only know I like this. You got to tell yourself that in the mirror to know that's how you feel about it. So I think it's performative ignorance. These men get cool points for being ignorant they get status for being a-holes mm. you know and you're allowed they to get, swear like, by the way yeah they, <laughs> no they really do uh, thank you they get it's just it's really unfortunate that a lot of guys benefit from being dickheads mm. about women in general and i want to continue to add trans women to the collective women in general because we're experiencing parallel ex- parallel yeah. you know situations um, you know, the accosting and the attacking and the raping and the, um, what do you call it? Objectification. It's all yeah. the cat Street harassment. It. And this is a very strange, in- interesting point of view as well. As a trans woman that grew up always idolizing men's gaze for me, there's a, a way, there's a, a part of this experience where catcalling can actually be affirmative mm. because it's a validation. It's a, oh, they see me as the woman I am. That is the whole point. So then like that affirms my, my femininity and that affirms my womanhood. Mm. But then it's really negative and messed up that they're objectifying me on a level where I'm just like, you can't just look at me and respect me as a person. Mm. But I think those levels vary for every woman. Yeah. So I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. And I don't think that cat calling completely across the board is wrong. But I do think that there are instances where it's just, it's inappropriate Mm. and it's not the right time and and not the right place. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought of that in that way. And actually, I think in some ways for women, because I've heard older women talk about, um, you you know, they found catcalling quite unpleasant as, as young women. And then they reach a certain age and it stops and they see yeah. that the men are catcalling the younger women. And, and it's 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 this weird thing of like, I didn't kind of didn't like it, but actually maybe it was a little bit validating. And now it's that affirming. it's gone, yeah, yeah, a bit affirming. But also, you know, how do you rebuke something, but also slightly kind of you take something positive from it at the same time? You know, it is, that's a really interesting point. I think, that's the, I think that's the yin and the yang of every situation in it. We have to sort of pull, take the good away from the bad and, in each situation, there's obviously always pros and cons. And sometimes the cons way outweigh the pros infinitely. It's like, 
there's too many cons in this situation. I will not walk into a group of men just willingly. If I'm walking down the street and I see four plus men together, mm. I'm really asking for a level of attention that I may or may not want if I'm just going to walk through that. Yeah. So I think most women make it a point. Like if I see something that looks like it could be dangerous, I will avoid it. Yeah. But sometimes you're just in that position and you have no other choice. And you just, you just kind of like suck it up. I can't tell you the many times I've had anxiety and my trans sisters know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like seeing a group of guys, you, you, the anxiety is through the roof because someone in that group usually will notice that you're trans. Mm. And usually the guy or the person that doesn't notice it will go out of their way to like try to step to you, to talk to you, to say, Oh, what's up shorty? You know, I want to talk to you. I want to get to know you. And then some friend, you know, this is, this is how it ends up really tragic because they rely on their friends' opinions of them mm. to dictate what they end up doing. Yeah, it's that toxic masculinity thing, isn't it? And then it's caught up in that embarrassment of like, oh, I fancied her. Now my friend thinks I fancied a man, in quote, yeah. mark, you know, mm -hmm. and now I have to display this real violent masculinity to bring it back so they don't think, you know... God, men are so fucked, aren't they? It's 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 adolescence. It's childishness. It it's, is. Uh, it's you know, all of those immature behaviors. Yeah. I I really want to know how we convey to men that actually the strongest, you, you know, most masculine thing is being really fluid in 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 all of this in your sexuality, and you don't have to not be heterosexual if that's what you are. But you know to just be open and to just show love, you know, that is strong. Um, and I, and I really wonder if, if, I mean, that's one of the questions actually is by the way, followers sent in questions cause they knew that uh, yeah. Mila was coming in. And one of the questions was how do we dismantle the patriarchy? And it's essential that we do this for the safety of everyone. And I, I just, I, I actually wonder if it's a losing battle. I know that sounds really like I'm, you know, like I'm hopeless, but it sort of feels like it. You know, I think it's a dance. I think it obviously, it definitely feels overwhelming. It feels like a losing battle. But I think if we look at all of the triumphant uh, fighters, you know, w heroes or like whatever, it's always, it's a quintessential story of like, you know, the less than the tortoise winning the race. I think, you know, if we lose hope, if we lose faith, if we lose our sense of, of, of desire and need, Obviously, the answer will be that we won't win. Mm. We have to stay aware. We have to stay awake. We have to stay uplifted. This is also like not to plug, but this is why I just did my my new single, Too High. I love Too High. I love we're it. We're not able to like celebrate the joy of being in our total selves and what that really means. Accepting our transness, accepting our womanhood, our femininity, all of those things. But I, you know... At every angle, we have marketing and advertisers and, you know, companies coming at us, really reinforcing everything that we were taught as we're trying to break it down. Mm. So it is not easy. Uh, but I'm but I just believe we need to continue to do the do the work and know our boundaries. It's OK to take a break. It's OK to say I've given this is me doing activism work. I marched all summer last mm. year. I marched till my feet were like blistered. I was at every rally. I was out being seen and, and not just for face, but for like the sheer importance of how can I ask for someone to stand for me if I can't do it for myself. But at some point there's only so much that I can do. Yeah. This is where as black 
Lives Mattered comes in, white people come in and uh, march with us. Mm. You need to march for me because you have more power than I do. Cis white men, you need to come and speak and be, you know, a center of uh, security for me because you have more power than I do. Yeah. So this is how we use our powers to show up for each other. And I had days where I was like, I got invited to march. I got invited to speak. After I did that speech, Mm. I said what I needed to say. I was like, I don't need to completely re, you know, I don't need to reinstate it. I don't need to like, you know, say it again because I was really passionate about what I said and it was meant to be heard mm. once and repeated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, was that an off the cuff speech or a pre-written completely it? off the cuff? I had no plans. Wow. So it's, I, I, listen, some people may be like, Oh, it was a nice speech. For me, it was an out-of-body experience. I was on the ground of Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera in front of Stonewall, talking to over 2,500 people, just having a moment to like talk to my community and say what was really, really needed. We need each other, mm. and we need to stop putting each other in these boxes and putting each other down. So it was just, yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, but you also need us, you, you know. You, you, yeah. And, and I think that is it, that is the thing, isn't it? We, we, we have to... We're, we're dismantling the patriarchy from the bottom, but we, you know yeah. we we need those people at the top, which really is white cis heterosexual men, uh, and actually the only way to kind of who are playing get- who are playing all of us. Yeah, like let's be real, they're playing all of us. Yeah, they're playing their wives, they're playing their girlfriends, they're playing uh, everyone else, they're playing the girls that are sex workers. That uh, well, maybe not the sex workers, just the girls are getting their coins, which mm. I completely go- agree with. But it's. I want to find a way where we can, you know, I have this issue with a lot of cis men who hold this power. We give them the opportunity to continue to hold that power Mm. by, by allowing them to uh, sleep with us, to talk to us, to get what they want from us, to treat us any kind of way. And I've just been getting so much better with boundaries. Mm. Like don't step to me with that. I'm not interested in that. The manipulation is out of this world. If any trans girl listening to this right now, I want you to know that men can be so overly manipulative that they will make you think it is what you want. Mm. And it's so hard to know who you are or to learn that. So you can say that doesn't work for me. Yeah. It's like signing contracts. This doesn't work for me. If you can give me this and do this, then we can talk. Yeah. It's really difficult. And I think women across the board need to hear that. Yeah, I could not agree more. I think we're so taught to make ourselves smaller and to to like automatically just see men as you know the leaders and the protectors and you know everything that we should want and we need we need their validation and so setting boundaries as you say even in a kind of work context and stuff um it it doesn't necessarily come naturally because we haven't all been conditioned to believe that we have the right to to say no or to say give me more money or to say you shouldn't be saying that or whatever Mm -hmm. um and it's interesting actually Meghan Markle I think was somebody who said it because I often use the phrase like we need to find our voices Uh, and I think Meghan Markle said we already have our voices we need to not be taught that we can use them we're allowed to use them you know um let's get into the questions that the people have asked for you uh the first one is what is the most annoying question that you get asked uh are the guys that i date gay oh do people really ask that 
It's such a warped. People do. I, I think. Um, I think it's less ask, asking and more assuming, or or I think it comes into their their frame of mind where they look at if there's a guy I'm talking about. I, I know it crosses their mind. They're probably is, is this is he gay? Because she's you know she's who she is, but like we know that she used to be this, and like what does that mean? It's amazing how people do math and they create this whole like answer out of their math equation about mm. the situation. But I feel like it's so easy to just implement that like I'm a woman dating a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if a woman it's if, like if a gay man looked at you, he's gonna go, She's not a man. Like I quite clearly and, and a woman. Also, this conversation is also <coughs> evolving now because we have more vocabulary to describe people's identity. Mm. In 1990, you know, 90 or 2000, we weren't talking about pansexuality. It, it was definitely, it, it existed, but there was really no title collectively for people to know that, like, you can be pan, you, you, you know, what being bi was and being gay and all that. And, straight. and so I think there are a lot of guys out there who are actually much more pansexual or bisexual than, than lead on. Pan is when you're affects, open to all genders, right? Absolutely. Pansexual means you're attracted to the person no matter their genitalia, no matter who they present as, you're open to any of that. Yeah. Um, but I, I get that question and I think, you know, let me tell you this. That question comes up, but you know what happens more than that question? I would say every single man I've ever dated in my uh, 30-ish years of being in this on this earth has literally said to me, obviously prior to, ap after my transition, they've said to me, you know I'm not gay, right? I've literally had every single guy that I've ever talked to, maybe except for one or two, literally say to me, I just want you to know, like, I'm not gay. I think you're beautiful. I like you. I'm interested in you, you know, aside from it being their first time or not, or, you know, if they have experience, they always have to let me know mm. that they're not gay. And I always feel bad for them because mm. I'm like, that's not really something that I'm concerned. Like, if you like me and I like you, yeah. that's really what matters. Yeah. You know, if, we're aligned and if there is a connection, I don't really care how you identify. Uh, I do think that there are some protocols that come into place with, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to bisexual men before and I've talked to some pansexual men. Um, but honestly, boo, just do you. Mm. It's, it is shit, isn't it, that we have to be in this kind of bracket, like, does it, you know, them asking that, you know, or, t or saying, oh, just to let you know I'm not gay. It does, does it matter? Why does it matter? You know, it shouldn't matter. Well, so we, I believe that it does matter. And I always say this because people look at me like, what do you think she thinks it's that it matters? It matters because of these things. Family, friends, social status, you know, work, all of those things are affected by our experiences. If you're a black person, if you're a white person, if you're a woman, if you're a gay man, we're all affected by those titles and those names. Yeah. So what they are able to do is they're able to hide from, a lot of them are able to hide from the reality of the ways that they would be mistreated and experiencing marginalization that we all experience. Yeah. It's like a layer of protection. And I wish that we could strip away this protection that they have and show them that you being who you really are or just like stepping into that truth allows you to have much more agency than... Yeah. Yeah. You know? Actually, that's a really bloody good point. I completely agree with you. Um, so what is your best advice for being your authentic self in a world of clones? Don't you think just everybody on the internet looks exactly like each other now? I do. Uh, you know, it's really, 
it's the internet and it's the way that we, it was something before the internet. It was something before that. It was something before that. It's like, it's humanity and it's just the way we are. We are, we're, we are very interesting, strange creek. I'm sure we're probably the aliens. I don't know. (laughs) We're very interesting creatures, but I like to just think that our experiences and our choices and the experiences we have in our lives really create the uniqueness of how, who we are, how we respond to things, how we respect things and treat things and look at things. And so my uniqueness really comes from the fact that I, you know, I've embraced where I came from in my journey as a trans person. But I also, if you notice, I don't necessarily parade what that visually looked like when I was younger. Like there are only certain people in the world as like family and friends that grew up around me that, you know, I don't need to show everyone what my transition looks like mm. because for me personally, it's about who I am and not about like, Oh, look at how I changed yeah, and look at like what I did to myself. It was for me, I'm really more celebrating the fact that I, I found my home. I found my center. Uh, I own that. And then like, that's the goal for anyone, yeah. you know? And so your uniqueness is, I think, filled. It's like it's your experiences and it's your your reaction to those experiences you have, and how you how you use them to just um, find your identity. Yeah, I think that is a really important. It's an, a really important thing, isn't it? Because being your authentic self is about it, it, it's about thinking about how you became who you are now. You know what journey took you here, and that is going to probably for most people include trauma and pain and heartache and questioning your identity and questioning yourself and all of those things and actually to find your true authentic self it's about amalgamating I guess and owning all of those things and 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 um and, and using them to 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 be this kind of you know I think my authentic self is somebody who is a bit fucked up and who has had really shitty things and I I think that as I've been open about them on this page I have never been more myself because I've never felt that I have to hide you know previous those things things. are not necessarily our fault and that's the conversation absolutely so we have to stop faulting ourselves because we're just we're products of the experiences that we didn't have much control over Mm. us especially as kids so we take all that trauma with us you know I was bullied I was bullied a lot growing up I was othered I was always different um I was always called names and stuff and I don't know. I always just felt deep down inside that I was special and Mm -hmm. I had something to contribute to the world. And you just have to really stoke that flame, you know? Mm. Well, how old were you when you went, when you transitioned? I wasn't, it wasn't until I was in my twenties. Right. Yeah. I was like, I went through high school. I graduated. I traveled. I, 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 first of all, I saw the world which opened my eyes so tremendously. I think the first pride parade I ever went to was in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. It was in Amsterdam. So if you could imagine going to Amsterdam and seeing a gay pride parade on that level was really like, Oh my God. Like there were, I remember two guys getting married. They were at the end of the parade. They were like, uh, the King and queen or whatever, but they were both fairies and they were celebrated by the town because they were very famous, uh, interior designers. And like the celebration of life is so different outside of our neighborhoods. It's just so different across the water. If you're in, you know, the UK, if you're in South Africa, if you're in the Netherlands, that really helped me. But after traveling, I, I, I realized as I was getting into a relationship 
I had always had trouble dating gay men and it wasn't just because of gay men, but I'd always been uh, conflicted because I was like, I am just, I'm not, I'm not gay. I don't know why, like mm. I'm trying to beat this dead horse. I was like, I'm a woman, but what are the steps to take to fulfill that journey? And for me, it was meeting people like Laverne Cox, who I always say was like, she was like my guide. And that's a very special guide to have. Yeah. But she was you, like, you lucked out there. <laughs> I really lucked out. She was like, girl, this is where you go. This is what you do. This is what you need to know. You know, we became best friends literally at the very beginning of my, my transition. She was always like very supportive and there for me. And I, you know, I wished that I could have transitioned earlier, but that really, really just wasn't afforded to me. And now we have trans youth that, you know, are starting their transitions at 13 and 14 and 15. And, you know, it's just a, it's a new frontier. Yeah. And it's fabulous, isn't it? Um, it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, you must have known from presumably when you were like five. Yeah. A yeah. really small child. Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's somebody who I, I'm sort of friends with on, on Instagram and she's got a little boy who is, I think he's very young, five or six at the moment. He is trans. There is no question about it. This boy, uh, she, sh she showed this video, which was actually really distressing, but I think is something that all people should watch who, who don't, who are like, oh no, but I don't think, I don't think we should like let the kids do it, you know, because of how innate it is, you know, this, this child who was born as a boy and, and socialized yeah. as a boy it would not go to school. I mean, the, the pain and turmoil he, or she now felt every time um she was dressed in a male school uniform i mean she so she shows these videos every morning every morning this child screaming just traumatized in this school uniform and then she shows the one day where she allowed her to wear a dress and you know put little bubbles in her hair and went off happily to school, you know, and you can see it. And this is just a kid who's never been exposed to social media, never been exposed to these ideas. Shout out Glam by Shauna, because you're doing an amazing job um, and, and just allowing your daughter now to be who she needs to be. But um, so, yeah, I think it's really, we're, we're in a much better place, but I think we still have a hell of a long way to go. And it's lucky, Shout isn't out it? to the yeah, shout out to uh, the parenting. It's really, I, I have a supportive mother. There is nothing better than having supportive parents. Not everyone in the trans community has supportive parents. Mm. There are a lot of people who are, are, are not able to have relationships with their parents. It is, it's very tough, but mm. hearing stories like that make me feel so good because I think, you know, her daughter is is very blessed to have that very blessed yeah very blessed and i know that you know because she's from a uh, black family as well yeah a and there are definitely and i think a lot of it is based in religion uh i think mm -hmm. a lot of black families tend to be uh more christian uh and and i think that that can have such a, a huge impact on the way that they deal with anything you know like homosexuality trans gen yeah. gender stuff yeah. it's, it has a real negative impact um, do you have any advice for young trans kids on how to deal with bullying at school? If you are dealing with bullying, uh, at school, I, I think it's important to, uh, protect yourself. 
Uh, I think that that is, you know, uh, the obvious things is like, I know it's always say like when you see something, say something. Sometimes that's really difficult to try to tell somebody, you know, someone's picking on you or bullying you. But I, I, I was the queen of avoidance when I was growing up. I was like, if I could avoid a fight or a situation, I, if I had to walk a different way, if I had to go somewhere else, if I had to try to find how to like dodge things, I really would. Um, I know that's not always the case for most kids to be able to escape, but it really is about, for me, it's like holding on to the, the reality that you haven't reached yet, which is you can have full agency over your life eventually. You can become who you are and who you want to be. You have the power to create the tools to like make a plan. I made an escape plan. I grew up in a very small country town. I was different. No one was like me. And I knew I was going to move to New York. I was like, as soon as I graduate or get out of school, I'm leaving. And I left without wanting to involve anyone. I, like I left my family. I left friends. Their support came when they realized that I was so serious about my journey and my, my I guess my thirst for my career that they were just like, wow, we really just want to be a part of your, of your life. Hmm. I never actually thought that they would come around. I was, I was, it's just like being convicted. It's like when you walk away from someone you're dating, walk away, hmm. <laughs> go, leave it, let it be. If it does come to you or comes back to you, you're not instigating it and hoping and waiting and wishing. I completely detached. Mm. So I waited until I was able to whatever, have the money, have the opportunity to leave school, to go away to, you know, and start my life. And that's what I did. So I, I so I guess the message really is that there is hope. And, and, and once you leave there school, you are yeah. actually able to, to take more control over your own life and your own destiny and where you want to be. Absolutely. School is not forever. Because it won't last. Yeah. School is not forever and it won't last. And you'll actually look back when you're, past that and in a different phase of your life you'll look back and you'll be like oh oh well, and like all of those people that probably bullied you you know we always joke about this but like where are they now like, mm. are they? <laughs> yeah it's true it's so true yeah. i look at the like horrible guys that i went to school with and they look about 500 years old like like they're Absolutely. all bald and <laughs> I, I, I really really like beer bellies and i just and have like, nothing oh. to offer yeah nothing to offer. boring life i cared about your opinion like yeah, yeah i think right? that's yeah, really important to remember like these school people will become irrelevant but it's so hard because when you're there and you're at school it's like this is everything you know it's your torture. school community yeah. is like that you know you feel like the whole entire world revolves around this school you know um it must be you know it must be incredibly difficult um the next question is how do you navigate dating as a trans woman do you state that you, so, did you use the apps absolutely do, every time you? i make sure that it's known i i i have done everything i have not told guys i have kept it to myself i have said it I've posted in one of my profiles three times in every box where you can write something I've actually put it. Yeah. And they make, they like, they will laugh because they'll be like, I wonder if you're trans. Yeah. I'd be like, it'd be like, what's your favorite food? I'm a trans woman. How long have you been in your city? I'm a trans woman. You know, do you, do you like music? I'm a trans woman because I have to reinforce, and especially men don't read. Yeah. Men don't read. 
they will see me, they see a beautiful woman and they just go like, I see you. Yeah. I've had conversations with guy. I had a conversation once with a guy where it's in my profile. The conversation was so connected and exciting. He was planning dates. Mm. We, he was like, I would love to take you out for a picnic. And what I noticed was most men that know my transness or when I tell them, they don't offer those grandiose gestures usually Mm. it's really compartmentalized it's like when you're trans it's like you're gonna be a good time in the bed like i'm you're you're sexy and you're hot and i want to do all kinds of dirty things to you or uh you know oh i'm 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 interested and i've never done this before and i'm new to this and i want you to show me and all of those things so you just become at the end of the day you're a therapist or you're a teacher Mm. you're never respected as just a human being who like has desires this guy had all of these ways of, of showing me like he wanted to take me out. And I had to, I remember one conversation we had, I realized, I was like, this is going too well. Mm. It's going too well. Did you read my profile? And he, he said, read what? <sighs> and I was like, you know, I'm trans, right? And he was like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't see that. I mean, I'm kind of talking to you now, so I'm kind of like maybe so interested, but then like it fizzled off. And and like most of the men that I've actually dated that were okay with my transness were not necessarily looking for a trans woman. Right. Most of the guys that I've dated that, yeah, they were like, I'm not looking to be with someone who's trans. They were just like, I like you. You're cool. You're dope. And I think that's really what guys like. They just like who they like. Mm. So if we can change that conversation. But I tell them, I always, I always make it known. That's a safety issue. Um, that's a peace of mind issue. I don't want to have it in the back of my mind. Like, does he know? Does he not know? There's so many sleepless nights mm. where you're like wishing you could have told them. So save yourself the yeah. heart, the heartache if you can. I saw one of your posts a, co- uh, a couple of weeks ago where you somebody had said in their dating app profile, like, oh, I love trans women. And they were there, you know, their whole profile was like, trans women are the sexiest people in the world or whatever. And you're like, no, we don't like this. We don't want this. So fetishization. That was so blatantly objectifying. It was like, this is just full of red flags. Like you posting no photo of yourself and a big banner that says, I heart trans people. And, and, And we're not like at a pride rally. Yeah. Just on Tinder. So why would you put that on your? That was you putting that on your on your dating profile because you're sexually just trying to catch one, mm. and some girl is gonna, you know, someone will be into that and they'll like that because you're at least voicing that you like trans people. But like, that's not the kind of person that I want to be with. I don't. We don't like that. Mm. We don't like uh, like it's obvious objectification. Yeah. So it was creepy. Yeah. yeah. It was tone deaf. Yeah. Yeah, I have so I have so many encounters and stories that I I think I'm gonna um I think I might, I might compile them into some sort of something. Oh, write a book, write a book. We need it. I should do something. I should put you in put touch it. with my literary agent. Um, Please do, because I cause I really do want. It would be a great coffee table. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's really important. Are, are there any trans dating books out there? There are a couple. Yeah, there have been some. There's, it's, it's almost like trans dating sites that are like a little, like it's almost like a little laughable because a lot of the trans dating apps or sites 
they're very, um, they just, the, the taste of it is just a little sour because it puts us in a category that others us to the mm. nth degree. And you don't really find people that are just being who they are. Mm. It's like, it's setting you up to just be like, you know, it's like when you see like, you know, ebony girls and guys looking for just ebony girls, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's kind of like one-sided. It's like, yeah. It's just all the sort of fetishization side of things. I mean, I've written my book, Block, Delete, Move On, uh, which is all about dating men, basically, because that's what I did. You know, I didn't think it was right to write a a general dating book because I have no experience of that. I have limited knowledge of that. So, you know, I'm coming from my professional and personal experience. But obviously, I do think cis men are a kind of breed of their own, you know, with specific challenges that come with dating them. Uh, And I've written at the beginning of the book that actually throughout this book, when I refer to women, I'm talking about all women and trans women are included in this. But actually when I talk about men, I'm talking about cis men. Um, And whilst I'm not saying that all trans men are perfect, because there are definitely some misogynistic trans men. um, I learned it from cis men. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, You know, there's misogynists among among us all. you know, I, I feel like um, trans women will hopefully be able to relate to my book if they date cis men, um, because they do they do present a specific set of challenges. Just the you know the fucking audacity, the like you say, the manipulation, the time wasting, the sexualization. Just ugh, they're a fucking. It's 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 overwhelming, and I was asked last night, you know, um, with some friends, like, you know, am I dating anyone? Am I seeing anyone? And I'm currently not in a relationship. And uh, the peace I've made with that just comes from the place of I want to be, ha- I like, I want to be happy in myself, and I want to focus on my work. Mm. Um, and if the right guy or the right situation comes, it comes. And the energy that we exhaust trying to impress them or make them see us or chase them. I've had to learn not to chase these guys. Mm. If they're interested, they'll show you. If they want you, they'll let you know. It will not be a guessing game. And then even once they come forward and show you that they want, they're interested in you, the signs that you have to look for to see if they're respecting you and your time and you know, a guy recently that I talked to was just basically like, I want what I want and I want you with no regard for my feelings. Mm. And I was like, are you even taking into account like who, what I'm feeling and wh- where I'm at in my life? Yeah. It's a two-way street, you know? Yeah, that's how it sort of feels, doesn't it? When you date men, that it always sort of feels like the ball is in their court. Like when they decide they're ready for a relationship, that's when we all get into a relationship. But if you say something before they're ready, then you might scare them off. And, you know, it's all just feels like having to play this game to get them into the right place. And, but they're in complete fucking control all the time, you know, and I don't mean controlling relationship, but kind of in control of where things go. Of the narrative. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's crazy. It's absolutely I, I, I guess I play the, personally, I play the game of, of you put your foot in, you put your foot out, you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself yeah. Like, like I, I think of like, I can actively engage or I can disengage. If I engage, this is what I have to look forward to. I need to know the situations, know what I might encounter, 
and then I can't really be mad. I can, you know, I can be upset or I can be like, oh, this, this is a doozer. But if I disengage and I'm doing, I'm, you know, preserving my, my, my sanity, that's mm. where I'm at. Like, yeah. I just want to preserve my sanity. Yeah. These guys will drive you crazy. Yeah. Literally. And, and then they use the excuse that we drive them crazy. And so then that becomes a whole other conversation. Oh, it's so, oh, that whole thing of like, you, I, I wouldn't be acting like this if you'd have just fucking told the truth or called me when you said right. you would, you know, they do, they do, they turn us crazy. Um, but it's also, I think it's not, just to add this, it's such a heightened level of insecurity within them. Yeah. A lot of men are working on insecurity. And it is, it is disguised as maturity. It's disguised as growth. It's disguised as them knowing who they are when they really don't. Mm. And a mature guy or a guy who knows who he is does not do those things. He does not play those games. Yeah. He's straight up with you and he's direct for the most part. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking for those people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> agreed. But they are uh, kind of rare. It's like a needle in a haystack unfortunately um how how do you find time for yourself i mean you've got so many strings to your bow you're doing so much we i do have to mention that i know you said you didn't you know you weren't here to plug but too high such a great track i I really do love your music you've got you seem to have like i feel like even though you've been doing amazing things for a long time i i feel like you know what, Mila's going to blow. Soon I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I used to I used to speak to her back in the day, like <laughs> this huge star. <laughs> because you've got Too High, which is just amazing. Faces was part of the Ralph Lauren Pride yeah. campaign. So huge things are happening for you. How do you find time for yourself within that and what sort of self-care tips have you got? Uh, I'm a workaholic. Uh, but I, but my passions and my, my goals and my dreams are, are my work. So, you know, I work for myself and I, I am just so, I I believe like this is my life. This is what I have to do. This is what I have to live and I have to give. I'll sleep when I'm dead, but it is definitely important, um, to try to find a time to rest and recuperate. You know, I, wherever I can find it. Um, I'm currently, excuse me, I'm currently at a retreat uh, for a, uh, for a company that I work with and it's work and it's business, but it's also, you know, uh, on a beach and it's like, I'm able to like have a little bit of R and R and a little bit of time and, you know, just taking myself out of, I love, I'm a social butterfly. Hmm. I will go to every party, every event. I don't do drugs. I don't drink. I'm not like that kind of person or that kind of girl, but I sometimes have to say Mila, you don't need to be there. You don't have to go there. Mm. You don't have to be at that party because you oversaturate. And sometimes taking time for yourself helps you to just really, it helps you to take care of yourself. That's such so an important to, tip. It, yeah. Yeah. So it's here and there and wherever I can find it. Um, but I think that things are going to get more hectic. So I'm really trying to like... It's a balancing act. Yeah. 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 I feel like your future is going to get hectic, but in a really good way. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I just know that you're going to be like absolute A-list at some I, point. I will say this. I just got back from Los Angeles. I was filming uh, the music video for the song that I did with Angelica Ross from Pose and the recording diva Alternate. Ah. We have a song together called uh fierce a track that's called fierce so everyone go out and listen to fierce 
And, you know, I'm with this Hollywood powerhouse, Angelica Ross, doing amazing things, American Horror Story, Post, and an Ultranate who has such a crazy, amazing career in dance music, mm. Free, and all of these great hits. We're coming together and we filmed this music video last Friday and it is going to be amazing. I'm so excited. It was directed by Frank Gatson, who's responsible for Beyonce, who's worked with Michael Jackson. Wow. We are releasing this video before Pride. Um, so like these are great moments in, in my career in the moment right now that I'm excited about and are only going to create bigger opportunities. Yeah, it's all it's all coming in your future. Um, yeah. All right, final question, because we've nearly reached our hour limit. Um, how do you deal with trolls? And I ask this question because obviously I, you know, my work is on the internet too, and I deal with them a lot. Um, and I, it's actually one of the things that puts me off the most about having like a public platform. I, I find it really difficult. And uh, do you do I must you admit that I see that. I love that you, when I first discovered you, my girlfriend, Trace Lissette. Oh, I love, uh, the I actress, love her, yeah. She turned me on to you. And the first time I listened to you speaking about these topics, I was blown away because I was like, she is just delivering it as is and so real. It just is Thank so you. good. And the fact that you were like anonymous and don't, and you're not being seen, it really is about the conversation. And it's not about like, this or that and I really admired that so I I just wanted to say my Thank hats you. off to you for the conversations you're having uh trolls I just I don't give them my energy I just can't mm. you know I think that people want to say what they want to say to stir up they want to stir you up yeah and it and it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect you and that it doesn't get to you but I think responding to them is inviting them in mm. And I rarely invite any of them in mm. to my space, to my, 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 my opinions, to my psyche. If it's something where there's a misinformation, uh, if it looks like it's a conversation that can be had where, you know, we can talk about an issue or something. Sure. Absolutely. But for the most part, people are just trying to find a way to capitalize on a moment. Yeah. And I, for me, it's about recognizing like, is this, is this just, you know, some BS or is this someone who's really trying to like find an answer for something? Mm. So I read them. I just don't, I just, so I like, I will see them sometimes on some of my posts. It's like 400 comments, 500 comments. I cannot spend the time reading all those comments. Yeah. I just, I will read a couple. I'll see what I'll gauge what people are thinking and what they're saying. If there are more negative comments than positive comments, I'll reassess what I said. Yeah. And then I'll be like, I stand by what I said. Or maybe I could have said it in a different way. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I try to do that before I post it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I guess trolling takes sort of different forms as well. I mean, y you obviously have those real obvious ones who are like, fuck you, you big fucking cunt. And, yeah. and, and those you can kind of go, well, this person is damaged and weird and whatever. And, and I, I, yeah. I don't care. But I get all these kind of, I don't know if they would even be described as trolls, but nearly always white women actually who um demand that i am failing if i'm not speaking about every issue you know i get all these i mean there was a whole load of stuff around israel and, and palestine and became this really 
I, I don't know if you would call it trolling, but so many people who are like, post on this, post on this. And then when you do post on it, people are like, you posted the wrong thing. And it's like, ah, I don't know what to do here. You know, it's these kind of demands. I think you I have guess, to remember you. that you, it's the demand. You're one person. Mm. You're one person. You are not a, a company whose job is to funnel information for people for a specific, like you're an individual that is using your platform to talk about the things that are important to you. Mm. So that's what's important, you know? And <clears throat> I was one of those people that didn't really post anything about Israel-Palestine because I wasn't informed on what was really happening. Yeah. And my Israeli friends or friends that I had involved with their families were all giving me information that was like, Mila, it's complicated. Yeah. There's this, there's that. So I was like, this is not my department. I'm not stirring up the pot with like generalizations. Yeah. People post generalizations about LGBTQ people all the time, mm -hmm. trans people all the time, black people all the time. I was like, this is, I can, I can sit out on this one. Yeah. And I just think you have to pick and choose, you know, that's, because I think you that's can't be right everything to, to everyone. Exactly. And we can't, you know, there are so many fucking issues in the world right now, literally right this moment, you know, yeah. concentration camps in China and the, you know, yeah. this shit probably happening in your neighborhood right now. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you'll drive yourself insane. Everything. To, I mean, you yeah, can care about it. You can have empathy, but we can't be activists for every fucking world issue. You know, I think, yeah. it's too much. Yeah. Um, too much. So I'm going to love you and leave you and just say thanks again. I mean, just to let you know that Mila has actually got up at 7 a.m., probably before 7, because she's in New York. <laughs> I'm, I'm in London, five-hour time difference, and I'm very grateful. And it's just been such a pleasure. I, um, I, I, did, this, I did this because I admire you. I, I, I support you. I, I love you and what you do. Um, the voice that you think, I think you're giving to women to just be – blunt and to stand up for themselves is so important so this is why i got up at 6 a.m for you, uh, <laughs> Thank you. and uh if i'm ever in london or you know wherever you are i will definitely reach out but like it's moments like this because your listener i'm one of your listeners and i wanted to have this conversation with you and i think that it's it's so good that we were able to do it yeah. so i I'm happy and thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, if we can ever do it face to face, if you're ever here or if I'm ever there, we will definitely hook yes. up. Please, absolutely, anytime. And everyone listening, uh, just remember, you know, that your story is your story. And I, I just try to, like Laverne always says, lead with love. Uh, um, and, and try to just, uh, we're all working to, to do our part and to try to figure out who we are and what we want. And... Um, learn your boundaries and learn how to stand up for yourself and love yourself. Yeah. That exactly and be too high. Yeah. Find your joy. And download so. Mila's music because it's just perfect summer jams. You know what I mean? Yes. So just, I love you. And there's more music to come. So just, I cannot tuned. wait for this one with Ultranate and what's it called? Fierce. It's called Fierce. It's actually out now. That one's um, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music. It's called Fierce, Ultranate, Angelica Ross, Mila Jam. Um, but I have um, a new song that might be coming out um, midsummer. That is a huge song that I'm very proud of. I can't say much about it, but you all are in for so many treats. Yay. Uh, well, thank you. Take care. Thank you, Bye. love. Mwah. I'll talk to you soon. See Bye. you later.